If you'd like to now be seated as we come to our reading for this morning, which you can find on page 1001 of the Pew Bibles. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right, let's uh, pray. I clearly need it. We all probably do. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we look at these words that Jesus spoke to his disciples as he was right at the end of his time on earth uh, with them, Lord, as, as he commissioned them, that we would be able to sort of stand in their shoes or sandals that we'd hear those words to them and, and see how they're commissioning for us too as your people, as your church today. Just show us, uh, enlarge our horizons, our thinking, our uh, mindset about our lives. Help us to see how we can make a difference, whatever we'll be doing this time tomorrow. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Matthew 28, we join Jesus and the disciples in uh, Galilee. Uh, a couple of details to notice. Verse is a sad one in verse 16. They're a man down, aren't they? There's only 11 now of the disciples because of Judas's betrayal. But Jesus' mission is going to carry on. And what about the other detail I noticed in verse 17? Uh, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, we've sung a fun song for the children about being a super saviour, but this is not a superhero story. If you were writing a superhero story, you wouldn't say, some doubted, would you? You'd say, oh, he was so glorious, they all believed, if you were making it up. But they're just really honest, the people who wrote the Gospels. They worship it, but some doubt it. And Jesus' response is not like a paranoid politician trying to sort of weed out the doubters, um, you know, get them cancelled as candidates, which is good news for people like us who sometimes have doubts, and many people do, uh, some people do all the time. Jesus' answer is to commission people, reminding them of his authority and sending believers and doubters alike as part of his mission. So these two things we're going to focus on are going to be the things for us that were just as for them, the things that are key to being part of Jesus' people on this mission that he has to the world. The two keys are that we are, first of all, disciples, and also we are ambassadors. So we're going to think about those two things. Disciples, that's first and foremost what we are as members of God's church. So Verse 19, you get the flow there. Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples. 
See? That's sort of pass it on. One lot of disciples make a lot of, a lot of disciples of Jesus, who then pass it on to another lot of disciples, and so on down the years, through the ages, to us. That's how it is for the people of God. That's what it is to be one of the people of God. And what's a disciple? Disciple? It basically means a learner. A learner, a follower of somebody. Um, so what do you reckon? What, do you reckon you can be a learner? What, what qualities do you need to be a learner? Need to be able to listen. Yeah? It's going to be pretty important if we're going to learn anything, isn't it? Need to listen and need to take on board what Jesus says about how we live our lives so that we then say what he says so that we then follow what he says in our lives. That's, that's discipleship. That's being a learner. It's being taught and led and shaped by Jesus. And notice it's not just that we start out as disciples. We're always going to be disciples. We're always going to be learners. And when you learnt to drive, those, those of you who have learnt to drive, you had to have those L plates on your car. Do you remember? The compulsory. And as a teenager, I learned to dive as a teenager, you, just, you don't want L-plates on your car. It's just like not cool. You're, you're desperate to get through your test to the point when, hey, go away the L-plates. Look at this, I'm fully qualified and personally quite sort of dangerous to be let out on the roads, to be honest. But this is the thing. You, 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 you want to get rid of the L-plates when you're a driver, but you never get rid of the L-plates as a Christian. We're always learning, or we should be, if we're disciples of Jesus Christ. And actually there's something, people kind of grasp that nowadays, don't they? People talk about lifelong learning. So those of you who've ever been to Open Age, the second half centre up at St. Charles, they're saying, right, second half after 50, keep learning, keep coming, take, come and do a class, come and do a... Um, I've come across people who've been in their retirement, sort of people in their 70s, learning Latin to keep the grey cells going. You think, well, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Uh, my grandfather uh, went, to, um, went to painting classes um, in his retirement. I think probably to, he had something to do whilst Nan was doing her sort of sewing classes. But uh, he did his painting classes and found he was actually quite good at it. And there's a couple of things at my parents' house that he's, he's done, which are really uh, wonderful. And me and my sister are going to compete to inherit at some future point. Um, Lifelong learning, that's, people understand the value of that, and gosh, we've got to be that as Christians. You, I, we've got to accept we'll always be learners if we're disciples of Jesus Christ. We'll never get to the point where we say, ah, oh, yeah, I've worked out the Christian life. Oh, yeah, I've got it sorted now. And it takes humility to admit to, I'm always going to have to wear L plates. It takes humility. But actually, it's honest as well. It's the real world. So what Jesus wants for his church is that we are disciples. Not just that we make a beginning, being baptised, which it mentions here, but that we continue, we grow. And if you look down to verse 20 to see what that means, it means to obey everything I have commanded you. That's what's going to take the lifelong learning, is to understand everything that Jesus says and then 
to obey it, to see it happen in the details of your life, in your language, in your attitudes, in your interactions with your family and with the shopkeepers, in your prayers, in your finances, in how you spend your time. That's lifelong learning to see what Jesus says shape you as a person and everything you are about as a person. So we need to keep hearing what Jesus says, to understand what Jesus says, and then to live it out. It's why looking at this book is going to be so important. It's because we're accessing Jesus' words here. And then we encourage each other to put it into practice. That's discipleship. Now, notice that's different from what a lot of people mean if they describe themselves as Christian. Um, It's more than just having a spiritual experience of some kind. Uh, It's more than going through something like baptism or confirmation. Uh, Baptism is mentioned. It's it's, it's how we express our start in the Christian life. But it's, it's, it's going on from that. Discipleship is growing. It's growing in obedience. It's growing in Christlikeness. It's not just having certain values that we're brought up with, which means that we write Church of England on a form when we're asked what we are. It's something like 60% of the British public still does that. But it's so much more than that. It's more than simply being a churchgoer, isn't it? You you can come to church for any variety of reasons. You don't necessarily come for your discipleship. I met some women um, in the course of, I think it was a funeral, um, who uh, told me that when they were young, they were at QPR just about every Saturday. And I said, wow, that's interesting. So you're really into football? I said, no, not really. We went to see the footballers because we all fancied them. You can go for a variety of different reasons to QPR, to church. Now, by the grace of God, there have been numerous people who've joined church youth groups for fairly similar reasons. And uh, God, in his mercy, has helped those people to eventually start listening and learning and become disciples. God works in spite of our mixed motives. But are we coming to church for discipleship? It's the opportunity we have each week for this hour is to come together and to learn more, to become more like Jesus. So which is it for you as a person, for you as a disciple? What do you need most? Do you need to be someone who's listening and learning? Is that, is that really where you need to focus? Or are you more at the, oh, I need to, I kind of understand it, but I need to really live it. I need to obey in all the areas of my life. That's actually where I need to really focus and pray. For all of us, that we all need to do both. Jesus calls us to be lifelong learners, disciples. It's our identity. And the wonderful thing is we don't do it alone. That's what church is for. We encourage each other. We're a team. It's why I want to say Sunday is such a priority that if we're in London and we're, we're able to be here, then just, you know, the hour together. So we come together and we hear God's word together. We think about it together. We worship. We pray. We encourage each other. All of that within an hour or an hour and 15. And you think, whoa, that's quite a short time in the week. But it's what a precious time to really equip us to live for Jesus uh, week round. And that's what the various groups that happen in church life are for. Um, If you didn't grab a term card last week, we'd love you to have one this week. So you go away uh, knowing what we're planning in the series on Sundays and what we're planning in other parts of church life. And that's not trying to fill your diary for the sake of filling your diary. It's trying to provide opportunities for discipleship 
Now, some are in a privileged position. You've got friends you can meet with and pray with or, or people at work that you can kind of gather with over a lunchtime. Uh, and so you've got that kind of opportunity elsewhere. But for most of us, if we haven't got that, then to plug in to what we're doing here is the opportunity we have to go on as disciples to grow. And so can I commend uh, taking one of these, having a look, and if you're not currently plugged in, uh, then over the next week or two, um, uh, having, a, having a look at coming along to something. So we're disciples. Second part of belonging to Jesus, following Jesus, being part of his mission in the world, is that we're ambassadors. So verse 19, therefore go, says Jesus to the disciples. We are sent by Jesus. He could, he's powerful enough to kind of spread his kingdom by sort of zapping people somehow, sort of giving personal appearances at the foot of their bed and saying, I'm alive. And, but Jesus has chosen not to do that. He's chosen not to sort of force people into a, whoa, I've, I've kind of, I've seen... He's chosen to work through people who already know him, telling other people about him so that they can know him too. He's just, he's just chosen to do that. And, and when those people do tell other people, the Holy Spirit's at work to say, you know, this isn't, just, this isn't just the words of a person, of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. This is actually the word of God that you're being told now. And that one person to another is the kind of idea of an ambassador. An ambassador is sent to represent someone else. Countries do it, don't they? They send ambassadors one country to another, and the ambassador, he or she, represents the country they come from to the country they're going to. That's at the kind of grand uh, sort of scale, you know, very sort of uh, official and uh, impressive ambassadors. But actually, ambassadors just like a, an ordinary thing as well. So I looked it up, and uh, the, you can be an ambassador to the UK border agency. Did you know that? Um, you can, um, if, if you've got a passport or documents to collect, but you can't do that in person, you can nominate someone as your ambassador. Uh, you have to give them an authorization letter. And it says, this is to certify that I, whatever your name is, authorise the person you've chosen, whose signature is verified below, to collect the sealed envelope on my behalf. So, I don't know whether any of us have done that, but I looked it up yesterday. You can do that if you so choose. So being an ambassador is being sent to represent someone. It's not about being diplomatic, which is good news for me and for lots of us, I think. Um, Think of the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. Not exactly the world's greatest diplomat, always putting his foot in it. So it's not, it's not talking about being a sort of really polished person. Um, and remember the doubters in verse 17. Jesus sent them too. So it's not having it all worked out. Being an ambassador is simply being sent by Jesus to represent him to other people. And, and that's what we are as the church. That's what we are as disciples. We're sent to make other disciples. It's, it's always been like that. And you get this picture at the beginning of the book of Acts. Um, if you remember, there Jesus tells the disciples they're going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And I picture when I hear Jesus say that, it's like, um, if you imagine a 
flat pond or um, a lake and you lob a big rock in and where the stone hits the water it sends out ripples and ripples and ripples outwards Jerusalem Judea ends of the earth London Britain mission to the ends of the earth your home your street your neighborhood yeah that's how the gospel spreads it always has been like that ripples going out one person telling another and that's how it's reached us all that time later and those miles away and so that's the vision is that you and I we're ambassadors wherever we go whatever we're doing this time tomorrow we represent Jesus we live for him we speak for him just like an ambassador does for a country now, we're going to think more about that in future weeks. Uh, of course, in some workplaces, some families and friendships, there'll be a pushback. If you uh, play sport with people and you say, I'm a Christian and I think this is relevant to you, someone will say, well, who gives you the right? Who gives you the right to say that we should all believe in Jesus? Or maybe nobody says it uh, where you work, but you kind of feel, oh, gosh, yeah. Should, should, am I allowed to say anything? So let's finish uh, with Jesus' words again and notice the three alls that he gives us here of being an ambassador. In verse 18, he talks about all authority. In verse 19, he talks about all nations. In verse 20, all ways. All authority. In our world where everyone believes something different, who does give us the right to say that there is only one truth, that there is only one way to God? Answer, Jesus, God with us. Jesus, the one who rightly says he has all, all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me by his Father, says Jesus. He's the one who sends you and me, whether we like it or not, <laughs> whether we feel like it or not. He sends us. He says, you are my ambassadors. You're my representatives where you work, where you live. And, and he says, he sends us with, all this, with his authority. He does it out of love. You see, he is the one way to God. But he wants everyone to know that so that everyone can come to God through him. So he sends us with all authority. He sends us, verse 19, to all nations. I don't know whether you thought what a big deal that was for this little group of Jewish Christians right at the beginning. They imagining from their little nation right through the mighty Roman Empire. They're also thinking, how on earth are Gentiles going to become followers of our God? You know, these people worshipping idols and, uh, and, and yet, how, and yet, Look at us. But a room full of Gentiles, by and large. Some people have got uh, some Jewish heritage. And that's what the first Christians found as they started to tell people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit uh, persuaded people, changed their hearts. He changed people. And Gentiles and Jews were accepted as equals in the kingdom of God. For us, it's probably not that issue unless we were brought up Jewish. For us, 
though there will be people in our lives, certain people, and we just think, oh gosh, I can't really imagine him as a Christian. What would ever make her become a believer? Maybe um, people who, who seem too bad or think they are. Uh, maybe people who seem just too cool and sorted or think they are. Maybe the people who already follow a different religion. But look what it says. It's, it's all nations. It's going to be all different types of people everywhere. That's what the disciples were sent out to do. They were, and that's what they did. They were scattered. They took the message wherever they went. Uh, it seems that Thomas, uh, initially uh, one of the doubters, uh, one of those 11 mentioned, uh, he seems to have taken the gospel as far as India in the first generation. This is for all nations, Hindus, barbarians in Britain, everyone, everywhere, including everyone you and I know, including everyone in our community we don't yet know. And if that seems daunting, as it often does, I think, if we think about it, let's notice the final all that Jesus gives us in verse 20. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. An ambassador for a government can always make a phone call, even when he or she is far, far away from home. Ambassadors for Jesus? Well, we can make a phone call in prayer, can't we? Because we know he's with us. We know he understands us. He understands the situations we're in. He understands the people we're with better than we do. And he's able and willing to help us, not necessarily to parachute us out of the situation that's hard, but rather to enable us to cope with the situation, to enable us to live for him and speak for him in the situation. So if you're the only Christian where you work, or the only Christian in your family, or in your block, or in your street, as far as you know, then hear Jesus' promise, surely I am with you, always, even to the end of the age. And again, like we said a minute ago, you don't have to do this alone. We're a team as a church. We're in it together to help each other, to encourage each other, to pray for each other. We do that so that we too can be disciples and ambassadors for Jesus as we get involved in his mission in the world.